Our scripture this morning comes out of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. If you've brought your own Bible with you this morning, and that's something that we're going to have to get used to if you come in person, that you're going to need to bring your own Bible because uh, we've taken everything out of the pew backs uh, so so as multiple people aren't touching them and we have to go through and sanitize everything. We will be sanitizing, as you may know, we will be sanitizing our our pew backs and our pews and the ends of our pews and door handles and, and other things in, uh, in our facility for the coming weeks and the coming months. And so we would encourage you to bring your own Bible or obviously you have your phones with you and many of you have a Bible app on your phone. John Barrett is going to be reading our scripture for us this morning, Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. mind and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your Spirit upon this, your Word, and make it be for us the Word of life that we might be people of life. Now, God, hide me behind your cross, that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. One of my prayers throughout my ministry is that I would never have to build anything. That's been a prayer throughout, throughout my ministry, meaning, meaning that I, I, my prayer has been that I would never have to build a facility, a church facility, or to, or to build on to a church facility. In my, in my first church that I pastored, the, the founding pastor had been there uh, a number of years, and they finally got their building built, and um, he needed to go to another church. <laughs> uh, I, I, at my previous church, the, uh, they went through three different pastors, three pastors, in order to get their facility built. And the pastor who was there, who, who saw that building to completion, he left nine months later. I, I, I don't ever want to leave under, under duress in, in, in the life of a church. And I have found that, that building a facility, building a church facility is hard and tedious, tedious work. I probably shouldn't say this publicly, lest a district superintendent be watching uh, this morning, uh, but, but I'll just be honest, that's been my prayer. Maybe one of these days, maybe one of these days God will call me to, to lead a church into building a facility, but I hope and pray that that is not the case. Nick Harris Nick Harris, who was, who was here uh, during the bombing and after the bombing and the reconstruction of, of this church, not only, not only the new construction of, of our sanctuary, but also uh, refurbishing what we know as Harris Hall and the basement and the third floor, and then the destruction and, uh, and the tearing down and the rebuilding of our 
education wing, uh, one of the things that Nick told me a couple of months ago when I was visiting with him was that he thought that this facility was never, ever, ever going to get finished. He said he remembered uh, meeting with the architect and calling the architect almost every other day and the general contractor, when is this thing going to be done? He said it seemed like it was months on end for the foundations of, of this sanctuary uh, to, be, to be built and to be poured. He said it, it seemed like months, and uh, to him it felt like years and years and years. You know, many of you have built houses. Many of, many of you have overseen the, the building of, of a house. Fortunately, I've never, I've never gone through that. My parents built their house a year before I was born. They thought they were done with, with four children, and so they, they made this, they built this house uh, big enough that they go to have fortune. Well, then I came along and threw everything, threw everything out of out of whack. But but you've built a house, and you know how you know how tedious it is. You know all of those change orders. You know what it's like to uh, to have to. I mean, something always goes wrong, doesn't it? I mean, I remember my my parents telling about um, when they were building their house. They they started pouring the footing for their house, and they built a a large basement underneath their garage. And as they began to dig out that basement, uh, it was built on, in some sandy soil, and the, the walls uh, began to cave in. Every time they, every time they tried to make it, uh, you know, just go, go ahead and, and, and dig that out, more and more sand would cave off. The walls of their basement in some parts are four and five feet thick. I mean, that's just how it goes, isn't it? When you begin to build a house, and you know what it's like as well to build a, found, a, a firm foundation of faith. You know what it's like to build a house of faith. And just like building a physical house or a physical building, it's not easy. Also, building a, a house of faith is also not easy at all. Today we're continuing our sermon series dealing with the best sermon ever. Now, again, don't get me wrong. These, these sermons that I've been preaching have not been the best sermon ever. We're looking at the best sermon ever that Jesus preached, the Sermon on the Mount. We've, we've seen how Jesus turned everything upside down with the Beatitudes. We've seen how Jesus had challenging words when it came to uh, keeping our word and offering forgiveness, the same kind of forgiveness that we have been, that has been extended to us. We must we must extend that same kind of forgiveness as we saw forgiveness for a Christian is not an option. It is a requirement if you're going to be a follower of Jesus. We've seen how throughout this entire sermon, Jesus is really, is really speaking to his followers, those, of, of those who, had, who had committed to being his followers. He first started, I mean, really, it seems as though it was, he was first really talking to the disciples, and then a large crowd began to gather around him. Now, some commentators believe that this is a compilation of Jesus' teachings, and, they, and, and Matthew just set it on a mountainside under one large teaching. I, I, think, I think that likely that, was, that really is probably uh, how, how it happened. This was a one large teaching. It may have, it may have taken place over a couple of days, but, it, but whatever the case, we know that Jesus was, was, tiki, was, was speaking to his most faithful, most faithful followers. There's a message, there's a passage of Scripture that we've heard before. I mean, you even learned this Scripture when you were a small child. 
The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came tumbling down. You remember? The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood fast. But then what happened with the house built upon the sand? It went splat. <laughs> it, went, it went splat. We, we, know, we know this passage of Scripture, but oftentimes this passage of Scripture is, is misunderstood. Oftentimes this passage is told as a, as one of, as a parable about standing strong in the, in the storms of life. And certainly, certainly there's, there's some aspect of that in this passage of Scripture, that we are to stand strong in the strong storms of life, leaning into the winds of change or standing up to the shifting sands of culture. But I think, I think what our Lord really is saying here is very, is very simple. Lots of people hear Christ's teaching, but only the ones that do them are in the kingdom. Did you get that? I think that's what this teaching is, is about. There are many people who hear, who hear the words, who hear the teaching, but if you examine your life and it's all hearing and not doing, don't, you're, don't deceive yourself into thinking that you are a Christian, dear friends. In fact, the Lord says only the storm is going to manifest the truth, and then we'll find out who's wise and who is foolish. Now, as we read through this passage, there are a number of similarities between, between the two builders of these houses. I mean, certainly there are differences, and the primary difference is the, the foundation, but there are a lot of similarities between the builders and the houses, and I want to note them, uh, a few of them for you. First, first of all, both individuals build a house. They, they both build a house. Now, that I mean, that seems evident, doesn't it? I mean, it is evident from, from the passage. They're both involved in some sort of spiritual activity. They're both involved in something that has to do with building a, a, found, or a, building, building a house of faith. And what this says is that we all believe in something. We all believe in something. Even those who claim that they have no belief, they believe in not having a belief. We all have a belief system, whether it is a, 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 an organized religion, whether it is some sort of deep spirituality, or whether it is humanism or agnosticism or, 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 or whatever, or whatever is going on in our culture. We all believe in something. We all believe in something. A few weeks ago, I, I, I was uh, teaching a a study on the life of John Wesley, and um, I, I, I shared about my trip to Stonehenge. Uh, you, you all may have recognized that, was it Friday was, uh, was the beginning of summer? I think that's right, the longest day of the year, and uh, for thousands of years, people have been going to Stonehenge because they believe now that Stonehenge is arranged in some way that the, that the sun at 
uh, during, the, during the longest day of the, of the year and also the shortest day of the year will cast particular shadows in that arrangement of those stones. And so I was in England five years ago, and we were down uh, near Bristol, England, uh, it's, by the way, Bristol has been showing up on the news recently, but uh, we were down by Bristol, and uh, Bristol is just a few miles away, really, from, from the town of Bath, uh, and, and just outside of Bath is Stonehenge. I had no desire whatsoever to go to Stonehenge. I mean, I, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't really… I mean, the religion of the droids, druids, they, that doesn't speak much to me. Uh, I thought it was going to be really weird, and I just I wasn't quite sure what to expect when I went to Stonehenge. I was really overwhelmed when I went to Stonehenge. I was surprised. I mean, again, all it is is a bunch of rocks that are laid up in a circle and then a kind of a U-shaped thing there in the middle. Uh, it's, it's astounding. People have been worshiping there at Stonehenge, they think, for almost 9,000 years. I mean, this is before the the patriarchs in the Old Testament. This is before Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Esau. This is before any of those. And they believe that these stones were drug from three miles away from the River Avon uh, up, up the hillside. Uh, they have no idea why they stopped there. It's not even at the top of the hill, by the way. It's in the middle of a sheep pasture. It's on, the, it's on a side hill. have no idea why they stopped at this particular, uh, particular place, but these stones often, most of them weigh in excess of four tons. Somehow they were able to drag them three miles from the banks of the river up, up, to, this, up to this sheep pasture, and they began to worship there. And what, what I was astounded with was this. We have... We are created with, with such a desire to worship that we will do almost anything to worship. We'll do almost anything to worship because we as humans are created with this understanding that there is a God and there is something bigger than us. There is something ultimately in charge and there is something that we should be worshiping or we must worship. And so everyone, it doesn't matter who you are, everyone is worshiping something. Everyone is building a house of faith, every single person, every single person. So the wise and the foolish, they were, they were both building a house. And it appears that they were both building their house in the, in the same location because the same storm hit both of their houses. Did you see the storms rolling through this morning? Some of you got rain this morning. Some of you didn't. Our electricity blinked off a dozen times this morning. That was at our house, but I can promise you two miles away, they didn't get any rain because we were right on the very edge of it. If, if they were going to be, if the, if the builders were going to be experiencing the, the same storm, their houses had to be in the very the very same spot. True believers and false believers invariably live side by side. They're on the same block. They attend the same church. They go to the same Bible studies. They are, they are, they are so similar in the building. They build what they are, and, and their, their building is almost indistinguishable from one another. They build close to one another. Jesus had some words 
about the wheat and the tares. There's weeds out in the, in the wheat field. <laughs> Should we go out and, and tear out all of those weeds? No, Jesus said. No, just, just let, them, let them grow because when you t- try to tear out the weeds, you're sure to get some of that, some of that good grain as well. Just, just let it be. Let it be. And then, and then, when that, day, that great day of reckoning comes, when, when, when the field is harvest, then, uh, then the reaper will separate the wheat from the chaff. And I'll be honest, in my 22 years of being a pastor, I have had churches that there was no doubt in my mind, no doubt in my mind we had chaff among our church people who were causing, who were creating dissent, people who were causing disruptions, people who were backbiting, people who were spreading rumors, people who many would have said that they're good Christian folks, but they didn't show up by their actions. You see, in this parable, in the story that Jesus told, both builders build in the same location. And I would never want to accuse someone in the life of the church of being a, a false believer, but I'll leave those words to Jesus. And a third similarity. The third similarity is that they build the same way. The third similarity is that they build the same way, because the Lord says the only difference was the foundation. He doesn't imply that the house itself is any different. Both people build a house, they build it in the same place, and they build it in the same way. In other words, in other words, they both carry a Bible and a notebook, and they may, they may both say certain prayers, and they, and they both do certain activities, and they may even give they may both even give a little bit of money to the Lord. And, and really, really, it looks all the same until, until, the, until, until the real crux of the matter. And that's the foundation which, as I have said, is often, is often not visible until the building goes up. And only an honest and careful, soul-searching self-examination can reveal the truth of what is our firm foundation. Now, the wise man built upon, upon a, the rock. The man who is foolish is the one that builds upon the shifting sands of the sea or of the desert. I, 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 don't, I don't know if, if you had your Bible and you read what immediately preceded this, beginning in verse 15. I want to read it for you. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not good bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do, do many other mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There are some land agents out there building land on shifting sands. False prophets are setting up real estate offices, selling lots of sand. And there are people all around our culture who are building and they think that they have an incredible faith. But it's all built upon the shifting sands. Most commentators look at, the, look at this foundation and believe that the foundation that Jesus is talking about, the foundation, this rock that Jesus is talking about is himself or it is, it is God. Now, now, to be honest, now to be certain, now to be certain, uh, throughout Scripture we find, we find Christ as the rock of foundation, the, the cornerstone of our, of, our, of our faith. But here, notice, notice, what, notice what the foundation is. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon that rock. It is in the doing of the Word. It is the very Word of God upon which we must build our house and upon our faith. The Word of God, that's, that's the rock. So listen, dear friends, don't, don't be confused. Don't, I, 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 don't, I don't particularly care whether you verbally say that you are a a Christ follower of not, and to be honest, Jesus really doesn't either. He is concerned. He is concerned about backing up that vocal faith with a faith that is of works. Now, hear me. Hear me now. Hear me now. Don't get me wrong. We are not saved by works. We are not saved by works. Uh, if, if I could, I'd, I'd make you repeat that with me. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace through faith. But true faith produces works. And if you, are a, if you are a true believer, you are going to be someone who is obeying the very Word of God. It's the primary proof that you, re that you really recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Did you get that? I'm going to say that again because I think that's at the very heart of this passage. Obedience is the primary validation of your salvation. It is the only possible proof that you recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. There is no other evidence. You can't point, you can't point to a, a time that you said a sinner's prayer down at the altar. You can't even point to the day of your baptism, although indeed, indeed, dear sisters and brothers, it must begin, 
It must begin with, a, with, a, uh, with some sort of uh, affirmation of the lordship of Jesus. It must begin with repentance, but it must be followed by good deeds and good works and obedience to the very word of God. If we don't have obedience to the very word of God, dear sisters and brothers, we are lost. God is going to blow the wind of judgment and rain, the rain of judgment, and send the flood of judgment. And when he does, some are going to stand and some are going to fall. Those who hear, Jesus says, and they are not obedient, they have built their hand, they have built their foundation upon shifting sands, and they are going to fall. But those who hear, those who hear and are obedient, they're going to stand tall and stand firm. This, I believe, is a season in which cultural Christians will cease to exist. You know what a cultural Christian is? It's someone who attends church because that's what you're supposed to do. It's someone who dabbles in faith just a little bit. If they're really, really good, they'll even attend a Sunday school class. And if they're extra good cultural Christians, they'll even invite a friend to come join them. But their lives look very different on Sunday morning than they do the rest of the week. They go to church because that's what you do. You go to church. And even here in Oklahoma City, even, I mean, we are here in the, in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Even here in Oklahoma City, we still have cultural Christians all, all around. I believe that this is a season in which cultural Christians will cease to be exist. It will cease to exist. There will be a dividing line because, between those who have been pretending to be Christians, doing Christian things like attending church and being a relatively nice person. They will disappear from church. They're never going to come back. They're not going to come back. After this epidemic is over, they ain't coming back. They're not coming back to church. They've spent three months away from church. More than likely, it's going to be another multiple months, six months, a year, hopefully not two years before everything opens finally back up. They've spent three months, six months, a year, two years without coming to church, and they're not going to come back because that's just not what Americans do anymore. The tide has turned against people of faith. The tide has turned. The storms of this season is shaking us to our very foundation. The pressure being put on the church and in this season of a global epidemic and social unrest will not allow for cultural Christians. This is a, this is a season of the storms. This is a season that is shaking us 
all, in, all of us in, our, in the West to our very cores. We are now finding out what our lives are really about. If our lives are, are, are really uh, based upon our political ideologies, we are finding that out. If our lives are based upon hatred and bigotry, that is being brought to life. If our, if our lives are based upon our cultural or ethnic identities, then that's being made known. If our lives are based upon our wealth or possessions or privilege or poverty or political affiliation or voting record, our house will fall and great will be that fall. But those of you, those who have put their faith and their trust in the very Word of God, Jesus Christ, and you are following with obedience, we will stand firm. Nothing, absolutely nothing can take us down because we are doers of the Word of God. So my question simple question that it screams to us, it cries out to us from the story that Jesus tells us. So which are you? What's your foundation? Are you someone who, who, who braves the storms and even, even comes to church in the middle of an epidemic? <laughs> Selecting to worship online this morning rather than to Tune in to the PGA golf tournament today. Are you someone who, who comes and listens? And tomorrow you'll go about your merry lives, doing whatever you want to do, saying whatever you want to say, building your house upon sand, the shifting sands of culture, or are you going to be one that is firmly rooted, forever standing on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Would you bow with me? Lord, we... We so desire to build our house and our faith upon the rock, the rock of obedience to your word, no matter what our culture says, no matter the storms of this world, no matter the shifting sands of this age. Lord, reveal to us right now those areas of our lives that we have built upon shifting sands. It's not our whole life, but just, just some areas of our lives. Lord, indeed, there, there may be some who are, who are watching and here in person that have been really convicted. And they've begun to recognize that, that their lives are not as they ought to be. 
and looking, being able to look back on a, on a moment in time in which we put our faith and trust in you, but, but we have not been as obedient as we ought to have been. Come, come, Lord Jesus. Transform us and change us. The first step is to saying, yes, Lord. I want to be your follower through and through. Not just with my words, not just with my heart, but with my life and my actions as well. Come, convicting spirit. Call us to a fresh season of faith, standing firm, being obedient. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.